We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. Patrick Mahomes strengthens his MVP case. The Chiefs already won the Kadarius Tony trade. Trent McDuffie is as advertised, and the Chiefs are all alone at the top of not only the AFC West, but the entire AFC. So much to discuss and dissect here on this beautiful Monday morning. I'm BJ Kissel and appreciate you for spending part of your day with us here on this episode of 10 Things on KC Sports Network, presented by my friends at KC Strength and Conditioning. If you're needing a place to train a baseball or softball player in the Kansas City area, uh, ages 8 to 18, call my friend John Renzi at KCSC. I've known John for more than 20 years. We played baseball together in high school, and he's always been the guy when it comes to what a body needs to maximize its performance out on the baseball diamond. John knows his stuff, and their new facility will be open very, very soon. Again, that's KCSC at 913-638-8960. Again, call my buddy John at 913-638-8960 to get more information about how to improve yourself or someone you know on the baseball or softball diamond. All right, Chiefs Kingdom. Now let's get into the 10 things that stood out on Sunday as the Chiefs beat the Jaguars 27-17 and moved to 7-2 and on the season. I alluded to it there on the intro, but uh, number one here doesn't have anything to do with what happened uh, at Arrowhead on Sunday, but has something to do with the AFC, and that's the fact that the Buffalo Bills lost a crazy one against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday that you kind of had to see to believe uh, with all the twists and turns that happened at the end of that one, both in regulation and then again in overtime. If you haven't seen it, uh, if you remember, and Chiefs fans will remember this one, uh, the primetime matchup years ago against the, at that time, the San Diego Chargers, when Phillip Rivers fumbled a snap that he was trying to kneel and kneel out the clock and he fumbled it and Andy Studebaker emerged with the ball out of a huge pile holding it above his head, uh, allowed the Chiefs to kick a game-winning field goal or go on and win that game. Uh, it was basically that, but... The Bills had the ball at the half-inch yard line. Allen fumbled, and the Vikings recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. Probably should mention that there was 30 seconds left on the clock, and the Bills were up by four when this happened. They had just shut down the Vikings on fourth down, and all they had to do was run out the clock. Uh, But the ball was, again, like the three-inch mark or whatever it was. 
and again bills up by four and instead of running out the clock they fumbled vikings got the ball uh in the end zone scored the touchdown took the lead uh and then the bills actually drove down and got a field goal to send it into overtime but there was some questionable officiating on a gabe davis pass that uh was incomplete after review but the refs didn't review it uh just kind of kept the game going uh and then replay during the broadcast showed after the next play was ran that gabe davis did not catch that pass uh and the fact that it was under two minutes and should have been automatically reviewed uh would have been something had the vikings lost that game that uh, for a vikings team that's very much in the nfc picture uh would have been a a storyline that that's all anyone would have been talking about but ball don't lie ended up working out the way that it should have uh not to say that bills couldn't have obviously without that play still gone out and got a field goal but it definitely helped their chances uh but vikings got a field goal late in overtime wasn't a lot of time left for the bills they had a chance to drive down and win it they got it down into the red zone and then josh allen threw a bad interception on a pretty ill-advised pass across the middle i mean whew, that uh was exciting if you're watching the the KCSN live post game show. We were kind of reacting to that game as we were watching it uh, there at the kingdom bar and grow. But um, at the end of the day, chiefs now lead the AFC after 10 weeks in a season that they were doubted by many national analysts to not only not lead the AFC West division that they lead by two games right now and could become three games. If they win next Sunday night against the chargers who are five and four, uh, they'd be five and five. The chiefs would be eight and two uh, if they win that game next Sunday night. But again, on a season that everybody kind of doubted the chiefs. They not only continue to lead the league in scoring and all that good stuff, but they lead the entire AFC with the, uh, with the best record as the Buffalo bills dropped to actually third in the um, AFC East division. Cause they've got uh, some teams to contend with, with the New York jets playing the way that they have. And obviously the Miami dolphins uh, having the season that they're having right now. Uh, there's only, if there's a team that had more shit talked on them, uh, this offseason than the Chiefs because of all the different things that the AFC West teams in their division, teams within the division had done in free agency and obviously losing Tyree Kill to the Dolphins. Uh, a lot of people very down on Tua and what that was going to look like. And not that Tua has been perfect and we can't joke about a lot of the passes being underthrown, uh, but he's putting up huge numbers and Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill are on pace to uh, end up having the most production by a wide receiver tandem in NFL history. Uh, so that's nothing to scoff about let's move on to number two uh and talking about uh mvp races and that's patrick mahomes uh his pace right now and uh strengthening strengthening his mvp case after uh his performance on sunday against the jags mahomes uh connected on four touchdown passes against the jags giving him 176 career touchdown passes in just 72 career starts and if you've been following on social media you've heard us talk about this that Mahomes has now passed pro football hall of famer Dan Marino for the most touchdown throws in a quarterback's first 75 career starts in NFL history Dan Marino in his first 75 career games had 173 touchdowns Patrick Mahomes 176 and he's only played 72 games so however many touchdown passes Patrick Mahomes throws over the next three games uh, that will be the difference plus three uh, that he has the lead in that category. Again, continuing to shatter uh, what we've seen from the best start of any quarterback in NFL history. He's shattering all these records. Um, when you look at the first 75 career starts below Dan Marino's Aaron Rodgers at 148, and then Andrew Luck with 144, and then Brett Favre with 135. I shouldn't even mention that guy uh, with all the shit going on with him right now. Sorry about that. I'm not editing that out, though, you know. Go Google Brett Favre and mess that he's in. 
Um, also, with Patrick Mahomes, four touchdown passes in Sunday's game, Mahomes tied Marino for the most three touchdown performances in a player's first 75 career starts with 33 such games. Mahomes now has 16 regular season games with four or more touchdown passes, extending his lead in NFL history for a player in their first 75 career starts. All right, I'm going to contextualize this one a little bit more with some simple math. Patrick Mahomes has played in 72 career games. He has 16 games where he's thrown at least four or more touchdown passes, like I just said. So, on average, at least one out of every four games that Patrick Mahomes plays, he throws at least four touchdown passes. That is crazy when you think about one in every four games that Patrick Mahomes has played to start his career, he throws at least four touchdown passes. Crazy. Most four touchdown passes, talking about Dan Marino with 14 of those games. Brett Favre again with 10. Aaron Rodgers also has 10. Johnny Unitas, Andrew Luck, Jamison Winston all have nine games with four or more passing touchdowns within their first 75 career starts. Not, not stopping there. We're still going with Patrick Mahomes. He has now won 57 of his first 72 starts, despite only starting 72 games so far in his career. His 57 wins are tied for the second most wins in a quarterback's first 75 career starts. He's tied with Roger Staubach and Daryl LaMonica. In his next three starts, Mahomes could pass Roger Staubach and Daryl LaMonica if he just wins one game. And then he is one game shy of passing, or excuse me, one game shy of tying Kenny Stabler with 58 wins for the top spot for the most wins in a quarterback in his first 75 career start. So if Mahomes can win two of his next three games, he will have the most wins by a starting quarterback in the first 75 starts of his career. We just mentioned he already has the most touchdown throws in the first 75 games. Wins two of the next three, he's going to have the most wins, and he already has, he did this a couple weeks ago, already has the most passing yards for a quarterback in their first 75 starts in NFL history. When you look at wins, Kenny Stabler, uh, number one with 58, uh, again, Mahomes tied with Roger Staubach and Daryl LaMonica with 57. And then Tom Brady in fifth place with 56 wins in his first 75 career starts. Also kind of cool to nugget that we saw on social media. I believe it was CBS Sports put this out. And that would make sense because they broadcast the game. And Mahomes has never lost a home game to a team with a losing record. I'm going to say that one again. Patrick Mahomes has not lost at home at Arrowhead Stadium to a team with a losing record not normalize this stuff it's all pretty cool all right number three cool nugget here on the the entire chiefs team i thought this was pretty interesting uh zero penalties for the chiefs in this game uh nugget here from the chiefs communications department that for just the fourth time in franchise history the chiefs registered no penalties in a game it's the first time the club pitched the shutout in the penalty column since a 40 to 9 victory over the raiders back on december 1st 2019 um but let's be honest, nobody's celebrating the ref's performance on Sunday. Uh, you can talk about no penalties, uh, but considering the play from Jags defensive back uh, Andrew Cisco, it's been talked about a lot, will continue to be talked about a lot this week. Uh, his hit on Juju Smith-Schuster went uncalled for a defensive defenseless player penalty. Uh, took Juju out of the game with a concussion. Very scary moment uh, as he kind of um, locked up or what they call it when a player gets hit and they have a concussion and um, – you know, their muscles kind of freeze, uh, you know, it, it was a scary, it was a scary thing to watch. And several players of the chiefs players spoke about it after the game, about just how scary it was. And then how pissed they were based. A lot of it was because of the reaction. Um, 
of Cisco, which was more on the second one uh, when he hit Marquez Valdez Scantling. Cause it was just a couple plays later, a few plays later that he turned around and did the exact same thing, launching himself to into a defenseless player and Marquez Valdez Scantling, who was airborne at the time and uh, pretty de- defenseless and exposed. And Cisco, it was even the second one for me personally was even more of a cheap shot per se than the first one. But first one, obviously there was helmet to helmet contact. Uh, second one launched his body and not, neither of those got called for a penalty, which uh, everybody seemed to be pretty confused about. And uh, actually here's a clip from Andy Reed after the game, when he was asked about uh, those plays. Well, as long as there's contact to the head, I mean, I, I doesn't need to be in the game. So it looked like there was contact to the head from where I was standing, but I'm not the, the one making that, that call. So, yeah, they said that he hit with his, his shoulder. Um, and so that's why they picked it up. I, um, you hit somebody in the head, you're, you're hitting in the head. But they said it was shoulder to shoulder is what they said. And, um, you know, he obviously was in a pretty bad position there for hitting shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, that's not good. That's not a good feeling at all. And uh, that's why I tried to explain to, to the officials there that um, guys don't get hit in the shoulder and lay around like that right there. So, you know, there's more to it. Somewhere the head was involved. And, um, and, and so that's what the rules put in for, for that type of thing. Considering the, the platform and the standing that Andy Reid has across the NFL when there's you know, owners meetings and they go and they talk about these rules that Andy Reid is one of the, the coaches be, for as long as he's been around in the league for as many coaches around the league, uh, where the head coaches now, we just got done playing against Doug Peterson. He's sitting in those same rooms. Uh, when Andy Reid pe- speaks, people listen uh, on stuff like this. And for him, uh, not that he's calling out refs right there. He's never going to really do that publicly. Uh, but for him to mention, you know, this is why those rules are in there. He's in those rooms when they're discussing things like this. He's very obviously aware uh, with all success that he had, uh, that he's had and just his standing again uh, at the NFL level among coaches and, you know, putting these rules in place. Uh, this is going to be a thing that's going to be discussed. And for the NFL to say that player safety is something that, you know, they're very you know high on and they want to do, uh, everything they can to protect players. It's really hard watching those two plays, um, especially for me, especially the second one. I know the one with Juju is helmet to helmet. Um, you watch it in slow motion. It just, the intent for me seemed uh, a little bit more hurting the player, doing something that could get a player injured uh, on the second one because the way he launched his body. I thought he was kind of protecting himself on the Juju one, but it was still helmet to helmet, still by rule of penalty and still what they're trying to, to get rid of. Uh, but as far as being pissed at the player, the second one pissed me off, especially the reaction afterwards. Uh, and there's no place for that. And that's what really um, you know, pissed off uh, a lot of the Chiefs players. And again, they spoke about it after the game. But uh, let's move on to number four and let's talk about the the genius move of Brett Veach and I not throwing genius around lightly uh, trading a couple of mid round picks for former first round pick Kadarius Tony uh, who finished Sunday's game with six touches for 90 yards and his first career touchdown. Uh, Tony averaged 15 yards per touch in this game. And this was the explosive player. The chiefs had hoped they were getting when they made this trade. And he's obviously acclimating himself well into this offense, uh, making plays all over the field. He had his career long rush of 32 yards mixed into this game. And again, you're talking about a player who is under club control, uh, for the next two and a half years. Uh, and they're paying him a 
total cost of like less than just under or just less than $5 million uh, over the two and a half years. Uh, Chiefs won that trade. I'm calling it right now. I don't know. It's been two games. We saw a little bit of it last week. The way in which they utilized him, they moved him around, did a lot of different things. It was absolutely beautiful to watch. And uh, Andy Reid spoke about Kadarius Tony and his performance after the game as well. Yeah, well, you'll have him here in a second, but he's he's a smart kid, and uh, he does pick it up easy, um, although he's willing to spend time at it too. So he's not just uh, getting the, the plays and then not studying. Um, he, he spends the time at it. Uh, he's very talented. Um, we're trying to give him some things that he's done before and then adding one or two things the last couple of weeks that, that he's not used to doing so he can continue to grow. But And then, you know, the quarterback has trusted him because of the feel he has. I'm going to say that, uh, you know, when that trade was going down, that it was a more likely scenario that people were going to, around the league nationally, were going to ask how the hell did the Chiefs end up with Kadarius Tony more so than it would be used as a reason to not believe that Brett Veach did the right thing with the assets and resources he has to build the Chiefs into a contender. Used a couple of mid-round picks, didn't have to pay a lot of money to an elite talent, an elite athlete uh, in space that Andy Reid um, – based on all the reports saying that this was something that had been going on and talking about Tony, even going back to training camp, a uh, player they liked coming out of the draft even a couple years ago, uh, that is not taking them very long uh, to acclimate in, him into this offense. And the big thing, bringing a player in in the middle of a season is how quickly can they learn the playbook? How uh, much you know do they have upstairs uh, with their just mental acuity of playing football to understand um, a pretty complex offense with Andy Reid. And Patrick Mahomes was asked about Kadarius Tony and uh, his touchdown after the game. I was hyped up for him. It, it was funny because that we had some plays designed for him to score. In the, but if you would have told one play, I didn't think he was going to score on. It was that one. But uh, it, it was it was it was cool to see. I mean, everybody was excited for him. Um, luckily, he didn't run out of bounds. He was getting close there on the sideline. Um, I actually heard him as the route was going on, going hey, because he was wide open. So that that helped me out a little bit. All right, good stuff there uh, from Patrick Mahomes talking about his guy. And uh, apparently, all I have to do is, is yell "Hey" uh, when you know you're open, and Patrick Mahomes is going to throw you the football for a touchdown. That was awesome to see, and uh, cool to see Kadarius Tony's out there having fun uh, with his new team for a player again. It's always got to be kind of awkward for a guy coming into a new locker room uh, in the middle of the season. Those guys had been through camp together; they'd spent all this time together. They kind of developed that core and that character, that identity, uh, and then to come in in the middle can be kind of uh, tricky, especially for a team that's got as much success and has had as much success as the Chiefs have had, but uh, seems to be fitting in very well. Uh, so shout out to Brett Veach and company uh, for getting that done, because that looks like an abs absolute home run and I'm calling it a victory already. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you about some of these strange tall boys of beer that you might see in the bottled water section of your favorite store. Well, it's not actually beer. It's a liquid mountain spring water company from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And you might be wondering, Tucker, why is it called Liquid Death? Well, let me tell you, it's because they'll brutally murder your thirst. That's right. Not only are they going to brutally murder your thirst, they are going to brutally murder plastic pollution in the process. It's wonderful with their infinitely recyclable aluminum cans. They also donate 10% of their proceeds from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. It's great. They've got four flavors. They have regular sparkling water. They've got still water, which is the mountain spring water. And they have uh, mango. They have 
uh, berry flavored, and they also have the one I like here, the severed lime. I'm going to go ahead and crack it on open. And you can get a Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now let's move on to number five. And uh, here's a fun little Andy Reid nugget for you. Uh, with Sunday's win over the Jags, Andy Reid has now a combined 64 wins. That's regular season plus postseason at Arrowhead Stadium as head coach of the Chiefs. And that's tied now with Marty Schottenheimer for the most wins by a head coach in the 50-year history of Arrowhead Stadium, uh, which is pretty cool for somebody like myself. Grew up a diehard Chiefs fan, growing up you know, with season tickets during Marty's entire era uh, of being head coach of the Kansas city chiefs. Pretty awesome uh, to see Andy Reed, uh, you know, get into, you know, that company and that, uh, you know, he's already had more success than Marty had, but uh, I think a lot of us uh, in this age are chiefs fans and we feel the way that we do because of what Marty and those defenses were able to do and helping create the mystique of Arrowhead stadium and what made it so special with the defense and all that. Now it's a lot of Patrick Mahomes in the offense, uh, but, you know, Chiefs, Chiefs fans, Chiefs kingdom is generational. It's passed on from, you know, families down to the little ones and then on. And I'm hopefully doing the same thing with my kids. Uh, but yeah, it's been special and it's kind of cool. Last night, Coach Reed actually got a, uh, a shout out on, uh, during the concert I went to at T-Mobile Center. It was Jimmy Allen, a uh, country singer was opening up for Carrie Underwood. And uh, Jimmy Allen told us that he got to meet Coach Reed uh, before the game on Sunday. Jimmy Allen went to the game and uh, I know that because Jimmy Allen told us that. Uh, but he also told us that he grew up an Eagles fan and that when he met Andy Reid after the game, it was the first time in his life that he had been starstruck, uh, which is kind of funny. And then Alan also gave a shout out to Creed Humphrey, uh, who was there with his family uh, at the T-Mobile Center for the concert last night with, again, Jimmy Allen and Carrie Underwood. I went with my wife. Great time. Uh, came out. was pretty knowledgeable. Said he had a good time at the game. Like said, he's a he's a Chiefs fan uh, ever since Andy Reid took that job. So pretty cool to uh, hear that. And then the crowd went absolutely crazy. I think there was a lot of people that were at the concert that had also been uh, at the football game, just like uh, my wife uh, who was at Arrowhead yesterday. So good stuff. All right, moving on to number six. Uh, this is a fantastic day again for Brett Veach, not just because of Kadarius Tony, uh, but it was a great performance by the defensive rookie specifically. We talk about Pacheco uh, started off rough with the, uh, with the fumble, but it was great to see him go right back to him. It's very much an Andy Reid thing. Player struggle, especially a young player, does a fumble, 
has something that had negative happened, put the ball right back in his hands. Uh, Eric Vietnamese talked about that over the years. Uh, player makes a mistake, give him right back the ball. They don't want to be thinking about it. Um, but look at the defensive rookies. Uh, Trent McDuffie had a couple of great pass breakups and key moments. Uh, it was great to see him make some plays after, you know, returning last week uh, from the hamstring injury that cost him basically the first seven games of the season. He played basically a half in week one against the Cardinals, but uh, McDuffie he played last week, but didn't really get much action uh, as the Titans and Malik Willis, who started that game, barely threw the football at all. And so it didn't really get to get a feel uh, for what we're going to get with Trent McDuffie. We can be excited about obviously what he was as a draft pick, what we saw, uh, basically like the last probably third of training camp uh, started to make a lot of plays. He looked good before that, but just solid, not making a ton of plays on the ball and things like that. And we saw that towards the end of training camp. Uh, so flashes of it during the preseason got all hyped about it. And then he gets injured. And then in his, in his place, Jalen Watson, obviously with his big play uh, against the chargers in the first matchup, Josh Williams has made some huge plays. All the conversation about the young defensive backs were not including the number one pick uh, for the Chiefs and uh, Trent McDuffie, but awesome to watch him play the way that he has, and he is ever he's been every uh, bit as advertised. And uh, it was great to see Leo Chanel, uh, the Chiefs rookie linebacker out of Wisconsin, got his first career sack. George Karloftis yesterday tied Chris Jones for the most quarterback pressures in the game with four. Uh, also had a couple of batted down passes, uh, and Karloftis actually tied with the Lions' Aiden Hutchinson, I believe the number two overall pick in the draft last year, for the most pressures by a rookie defender he's got 28 so far so the sacks might not be there for george karloftis uh i get reminded often uh that i had pro projected or predicted uh karloftis to set the rookie sack record set by Derek thomas with 10 and a half because i believed in the production i believed in the ability of what we were going to see it hasn't translated to sacks but he is disrupting plays he is batting down passes uh he is very much a reason that the chiefs have been playing uh, defensively as well as they have been. And so his overall production has absolutely been there. Uh, and then got to mention Josh Williams again. He was the highest graded Chiefs defensive back in the game on Sunday, according to Pro Football Focus. So uh, Kadarius Tony making plays, the Chiefs rookie class making plays. Uh, Brett Veach has got to be feeling pretty good uh, about what they've done and the, the roster they've been able to put together. All right, moving on to number seven. Uh, also, probably something that Brett Feach feels very good about based on the moves that they've made. But uh, the Chiefs defense had five sacks in Sunday's win over Jacksonville, marking the third five-sack game of the season for the Chiefs defense. They did it against Indy, San Francisco, and now Jacksonville. The club has 13 sacks over the last three games, and it's the sixth time since Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, took over uh, for the 2019 season that the chiefs have had five or more sacks in a game i think some context is important here because if you followed anybody's content over the offseason getting pressure on the opposing quarterback getting more sacks was one of the top storylines it was my top thing going into the nfl draft they got to get some people who can uh rush the passer at least a young guy and figure out some more in free agency with different guys they bring in chiefs had 29 sacks last year as a team through 17 regular season games so 29 sacks in the regular season that was dead last in the AFC. I think it was 29th overall in the NFL. And right now through nine games, they have 27 sacks. So they are two sacks shy of what they had all of last season. Uh, much of this is because of the guy I'm going to talk about next who uh, may only have seven sacks themselves, but for number eight, Chris Jones, um, again, seven sacks on the season of the chiefs 20, but he is a reason that everybody else uh, is able to make plays because he has been absolutely dominant. And he's finally on the defensive player of the year radar. It only took nine games 
for of Chris Jones being dominant. Uh, but he's finally now uh, on the odds over at DraftKings. I'm sure he's on the other ones as well. Um, we're team DraftKings here at KCSN. So that's the one that we check. But right now he has the seventh best odds to win the NFL def- defensive player of the year at plus 3,500. Uh, he's tied for 10th in the NFL in sacks and sixth in forced fumbles on the season. And uh, according to our friend Craig Stout, who put this out on Twitter, Chris is the only player amongst the leaders to have at least a half sack in the last four games. Uh, we spoke on this on the post game show last night that Chris wasn't on the list before either late last night or this morning. Uh, he wasn't on the list of 10 guys uh, with odds uh, to bet on for the defensive player of the year award. Uh, he deserved to be on there before yesterday, but it's better late than never. Jones finished the game on Sunday with one and a half sacks, added two tackles, uh, including one tackle for loss, two other quarterback pressures. It marked Jones 15th career multi-sack game, and he now has 56 and a half sacks in his career, uh, which ranks fifth most in team history since sacks became an official statistic back in 1982. So great to see Chris getting his due. I don't think he's going to win the Defensive Player of the Year award, if we're being honest. If you look at the odds and just you talk to people nationally, I was talking with Matt Miller about it before, um, Micah Parsons uh, for the Cowboys is going to win that award. He is like minus 235. Uh, he is the odds on favorite, and it's not particularly close uh, for anybody else. Guys like Nick Bosa, um, some other guys who are in that conversation. Um, but Chris Jones absolutely has deserved to be in that conversation because of what he's doing. Uh, but because of the position that he plays and the fact that he's just been solid and everybody knows about Chris Jones, it doesn't kind of spike everybody's interest being a new guy. Um it might be working against them, but either way, uh, he is absolutely a reason that the Chiefs are seven and two at the top of the AFC. And uh, speaking of sacks, moving on to number nine, uh, Carlos Dunlap joined an elite group on Sunday. Dunlap was joined by Chris Jones to to take down Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence in the first quarter of the game yesterday. Um, and with that half sack that he split with Chris Jones, Dunlap reached the hundred career sack plateau becoming just the eighth active player to reach that milestone he becomes the 41st player in nfl history at least since sacks became an official stat back in 1982 uh to record 100 or more career sacks uh today or sunday's half sack brings dunlap's total to four sacks on the season he finished the game with five tackles including one tackle for loss one quarterback pressure again to go along with that half sack and you look at some of the other players um current players that have reached the hundred sack plateau. He's in pretty elite company. Uh, Robert Quinn, Aaron Donald, JJ Watt, Chandler Jones, Justin Houston, Cameron Jordan, and Vaughn Miller are the only other, what, seven players, uh, eight, including Dunlap, uh, active players to have at least a hundred career sacks. And uh, Carlos Dunlap spoke with the chiefs media after the game about reaching that milestone. You know, being able to get that accomplished is is a huge milestone and accomplishment that, you know, um, as a young player coming to the league, that was a goal. Um, playing 10-plus years, getting 100-plus sacks to be in that elite category of the guys who have ever done it. Um, so get that done today and to share it with a guy who has potential to be up there as well uh, was a very special moment. I think it's a, um, a tribute to all the coaches' investment, my family who's here, I don't know where they just went. There, oh, my family, my family who's here, uh, my mom, um, her investment, her and my dad laid the foundation and helped me um, and guided me along the way, nudged me back in between the railroad tracks when I got off the tracks um, to be the person that I am today, to be able to have the opportunity to 
get 100 sacks because, you know, a lot of people don't get that opportunity in my neighborhood and where I'm from, and a lot of people who still make it to the league still don't get to get that opportunity. So this is a huge milestone and a, a tribute to my coaches, my family, my teammates, my community. Um, this is a celebration and a milestone for all of us. Um, but obviously, you know, if you know me personally, you know I'm not done yet, and there's a lot more things that I want to accomplish, but we're going to enjoy this 100 mark. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, if you're watching this video, you're most likely a Chiefs fan that's watched all their games. And while Carlos Dunlap and his you know, four sacks might not completely jump out uh, to a casual fan or a non-Chiefs fan, I don't think you can uh, have watched the games this season and not felt really good about the impact that Carlos Dunlap has made. And those are the kinds of moves when you talk about Brett Veach and who, you know, getting credit and giving credit to the moves that were made to put them in contention uh, to reload and to be the best team in the AFC uh, and to change up uh, some of the issues that we had talked about or that we had dissected throughout the offseason about the Chiefs' lack of pass rush. Um, you know, George Karloftis, uh, Frank, Frank Clark coming back, losing a bunch of weight, playing some of his best football before his suspension. Uh, has been a huge storyline for the chiefs in this game. And then again, we know Steve Spagnuolo is going to be really aggressive. You know, there's going to be DBs that put up some numbers as far as sacks, but Carlos Dunlap is one of those fantastic pickups that probably won't get enough credit or discussed enough because there's so many other things to discuss, but overall success of what the chiefs have done defensively. You can't talk about this season and not include Carlos Dunlap somewhere in that conversation. So for him to hit a plateau like that, and then to immediately say like, my goals are bigger than that. It uh, fits right in with, you know, when you hear guys like Travis Kelsey who continue to set crazy records and Patrick Mahomes, uh, that's not what it's about for them. That's what's awesome to see Carlos Dunlap um, obviously hit that mark and then talk about it in the way that he did. All right, let's move on to number 10. And that is the fact that uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling finds the end zone in a Chiefs uniform. Uh, MVS was one of nine players to catch a pass from Patrick Mahomes on Sunday against the Jags. And uh, we know MBS was acquired in the offseason, a free agent from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and he got his first points there in what week nine uh, in a Chiefs uniform in the second quarter. Uh, was able to catch that touchdown as an 18-yard pass from Patrick Mahomes. He, MVS ended the day with three receptions for 60 yards and the one touchdown. And I, for me personally, that one touchdown wasn't even his most impressive catch. The key third down reception, he was a third and seven. Um, that saw him reach back across his body while falling down along the sidelines. Uh, I thought that was easily his best play. There's been a lot of, you know, talk about MVS and uh, his ability to catch the football and, and kind of dropping maybe some easy ones. Uh, it was a knock on him uh, coming out of Green Bay, uh, but he has made some absolutely phenomenal catches in a Chiefs uniform. And so awesome to see him get involved again. One of nine players to catch a pass, uh, one of four different players to catch a touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, as they continue to spread the ball around and, uh, you know, they can beat you in so many different ways. Uh, Hope MVS uh, took a big shot. I think he's okay. But hopefully Juju uh, Schmidt-Suster, who's going through concussion protocol, uh, the way that he went down, even if he has to miss a week, hopefully he gets better uh, here over the next few weeks. But you just look at this wide receiver group as a whole with what we've seen with Kadarius Toney uh, and all this 
on Sunday and the way that the offense was clicking was without uh, McCole Hardman. The next guy has to step up. Uh, hopefully we see a little bit more of Sky Moore. Um, might be the case next week if Juju's unable to go. Um, most likely not going to be able to practice because of the different checkpoints on the NFL's concussion protocol going throughout the week as far as him being kind of limited um, if things progress uh, in a positive way for him getting it back on the field. hope that's the case. If not, just hope that uh, gets all of his rest and all the things that he needs to do to be ready to go, uh, not just to play, but just in general as a person. Uh, it's really scary when you see plays like that, but – uh, really excited about what we've seen from the Chiefs uh, wide receiver group, especially here lately, um, led by what we've seen from Juju. I know they highlighted on the broadcast, but I've uh, been making a lot of plays, doing really well. And then see Kadarius Tony going out there making plays, MVS making plays. Uh, just a really exciting time for the Chiefs offense and uh, especially the passing offense where Patrick Holmes got a lot of guys that he obviously feels comfortable throwing to in big situations. I've seen Noah Gray <laughs> step up and make some huge catches and some uh, high leverage, high time. You might look at the box score and uh, for Noah Gray and uh, not think it's all that impressive, but when you watch the games and you see the times in which he's throwing him the ball, uh, he's given a lot of these guys some big time opportunities and some big plays or some big situations. Uh, and a couple of honorable mentions. I don't think I can go through this 10 things and not mention my dude, Colin Saunders, uh, who picked up another sack and continues his hot streak, making his presence known in the middle of the Chiefs defense. Uh, his emergence and the Chiefs defense's recent play and how well they've been playing. To me, those things go hand in hand. It takes everybody working together. Uh, Chris Jones gets a lot of praise and attention and for very good reason. Again, we talked about earlier, he should be in that defensive player of the year conversation. But Colin Saunders has been an integral part of the defense's overall recent success. Uh, you've got to have a lot of dudes who can get in there and do different things. And for his size and his athleticism, uh, his strength, the way that he plays, uh, I couldn't give that guy enough credit, not just because of what we see on the field, but um, also going to be one of the best dudes, uh, easy dude to root for. Uh, anyone who's ever spent time around him, uh, I know the media is going to talk about him a lot as he starts to play well uh, and puts up numbers. Uh, they're going to go over and talk to him because he's a great interview, great dude. Uh, so hopefully they continue to go over and talk to him, uh, pump him up a little bit. Hopefully he gets contract. We'd love to see him stay in Kansas City uh, if it fits in their plans. Trust Brad Veach and company, but also hope that guy gets paid wherever he ends up going. But I hope it's still here in Chiefs Kingdom. He grew up in Chiefs Kingdom down the road in St. Louis. Um, but that's all we've got for this episode. Appreciate you all for hanging out. Uh, plenty more content coming from us here at KC Sports Network. We'll have our X's and O's breakdown. We'll have the live lab uh, Monday night at 8 p.m. Uh, you can check that out on our YouTube channel. So make sure search KC Sports Network on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe. Turn those notifications on to make sure you don't miss anything. Uh, but a lot of great content. I had a really good conversation with ESPN's Matt Miller with our stock up, stock down report uh, following the Chiefs win over the Jags. So you can find that today on the YouTube channel as well. But a lot of great content. We appreciate all your support of what we got going on. And make sure that you also know if you're a KU, K-State, or a Mizzou fan, that we've got college content at KC Sports Network as well. We've got a YouTube channel called KCSNU, and we've also got audio channels that you can download for KU, K-State, and Mizzou coverage, both football and basketball. A lot of cool stuff planned for this season uh, as basketball season's getting underway. So those are one of your schools. Make sure you check that out too. See if you like that content. and uh, Go ahead and follow those guys. They all do a great job on those channels. But appreciate everybody for watching and or listening. We'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.